they, they would say, well, here it is, and they put a big church there and people would come where there supposedly where the, where, the, where the crucifixion was held and they believe it was there because there was a crack through the rocks and all this stuff. And you'd see the people lined up in this church kissing the ground where it was, just waiting to get in. Um, it, it was just really sad, really. And, uh, but in a little garden area, the, there's this tomb there that I took a picture of where they led us into. And uh, they said, we're probably 95% sure that this is it. Now think about this. Peter knew where the tomb was. Peter knew where it was. All of the apostles knew where the tomb was. All of the disciples knew where the tomb was. Mary knew where the tomb was, who went on, as we believe, went to live in Ephesus with John. Uh, there's, a, there's a tomb there to Mary, the mother of Jesus there in Ephesus. She knew where the she knew where the tomb was. They went there. And they went there the next morning, or the I mean that Sunday morning, not the next morning. They went there Sunday morning. Boy, I'm a heretic. I didn't say that, but edit that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> they went there, right? They knew exact. How long did that did that history go on where they knew where the tomb was? It wasn't some mystery. I, I believe the mystery became when Rome came in in 70 A.D. and wiped everything out. All of the Jews scattered, and and a lot of stuff was lost after the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome. But uh, a lot of people, they, they knew exactly where that tomb was. And uh, these people say, are we 90% 90, 90 accurate? We think this is it. Could it be somewhere else? Sure, it could be somewhere else. But this fits everything, the locality, the, the locality to the crucifixion area, the garden tomb, you know, all of these things, it fits. And of everything that they've uncovered. And I, and I, like, I, like, that rea I like that truthfulness when they said, eh, it could be somewhere else, but this really fits. And I went in there, and it was awesome. We got to walk in there. You know what I found out when I walked in there? It was still empty. <laughs> it was still empty. Amen, right? It's still empty. And it's still empty today, and we're thankful for that. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go, like Brother Bob has, and Brother, or, uh, Sister Barbara's been, and she's not here now, and uh, I've been. I, has anybody else been to Israel? Anybody else get to go? Do it. He say, I can't afford it. You know what my dad says? I asked him, hey, you want to go sometime? He said, nah. He said, I'll go in the millennium when it's free. And uh, that's what he said. So, <laughs> so if you get the chance to, uh, by all means, do it. It's, uh, I like what my pastor said. He said, Bef when you go, before you go to Israel, you'll read your Bible black and white, and after you go to Israel, you'll read it in color. And I thought, boy, that is so right. Isn't that true, Brother Bob? You start seeing all of these things. You're like, oh, I wish I could bring people right here. It'd be awesome. I've been reading in First Samuel, and uh, David's in En Gedi, and we—I was in those caves of En Gedi, and I was like, I can just see it all. It was awesome, and uh, right there at the Dead Sea, it was kind of neat. So, anyway, hopefully, I'll whet your appetite to save your money, or sell your children, or do something, take all their inheritance, and just go to Israel. Okay, and you'll you'll enjoy that. All right, we are in Exodus chapter 12, and I think our timing is right here that we're looking at the provision. Here of the lamb uh, that is going to be cover Israel uh, from the last plague of the death of the firstborn. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12 this morning. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 21 through 28. Let me read those for you just briefly or quickly. Verse 21, Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, 
and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you and ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever and it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worship and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron so did they and I want to look this morning we're going to look at we're talking about freedom from bondage and we're looking at how we get out of the bondage of death the bondage of death right it's pointed on men wants to die amen nobody gets out of this life alive and uh, but there is a way as we know in this room and I believe the majority in this room understand this but I want to refresh ourselves in this in this uh, this truth this truth that we have that we do have deliverance over death father would you bless your word this morning would you teach us this morning by the Holy Spirit and uh, would you encourage us uh, in your word and we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus name amen and so we see first of all that uh, in our last few studies we have seen that God has had a very specific plan for bringing Israel and bringing the Israelites out of the out of captivity in Egypt it was God's plan right it was God's plan do you notice the reason why it's God's plan because Israel couldn't figure it out and couldn't do it themselves they've been in bondage for 430 years if they could have had a good plan that would work they wouldn't have been there right hey listen if you or I could come up with a great plan to get us into heaven we would have come up with one but we can't it's God's plan and this is God's plan here. It is his plan to, to get them out of Egypt. Every step of the way, every detail is God's plan. He gave Moses very specific instructions that they had to follow very precisely. I've said this before. We go through, the, uh, through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, and we've preached through m most of those books except for maybe Leviticus. And uh, we, we see the daunting task of fulfilling all of the law. We see the daunting task of trying to live all of the minutia of the law. I mean, you go back in the Old Testament, you don't do this on this day, and you do this on this day, and you don't eat this, and if, if it has a hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud, nope, can't eat it. But if it, if it uh, parts the hoof, but doesn't chew the cud, nope, nope, can't eat that either. Well, if it doesn't have scales, but it has fins, well, no scales, nope, you can't eat that. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's daunting at times to try to keep up with everything that they had to do. And I believe the point of that was, number one, to, to show that, number one, we can't approach God, all right? We can't do it on our own. As much as we try, for the, for the uh, several thousand years that they, had, that they had to attempt to fulfill all of the law, when Jesus came on the scene, the verdict was still the same. They couldn't do it. 
they couldn't fulfill all the law. Remember that rich young ruler came to Jesus? And he said, I, th I, have, I have kept all of the commandments. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? I have kept all of the commandments. And Jesus said to him, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful for he had much, much things. Do you realize what commandment Jesus just put at him that he could not keep? He said, I keep all of the commandments. I have kept all the commandments since my youth. You know which one he didn't keep? Thou shalt not covet. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. No, uh, couldn't do it. You know what Jesus showed him? You, you can't keep the law either. You can't keep it either. And they walked away. We can't keep the law. We can't do that. We, we, we could not keep everything that is ours to keep. And God did this on purpose. He wanted them to see the, the enormity of what it would take to get to God. And, and, and at the end of it all, they can't even do it. They can't, can't accomplish that at all. And uh, so the, this was the reason for the pre precise instructions, I believe, in some ways. This was the reason for all of the details. God was showing us over and over, we can't do it. We can't, we can't measure up. We can't live that way. So Moses was supposed to go to, to Pharaoh and tell him that God wanted his people to leave Egypt, wanted him to worship him. Remember, Pharaoh had hardened his heart over and over and over and over again. Nine times he has gone through the plagues. Nine times he has seen the power of God. Nine times he has seen the hand of God and, and, and come to the place of even admitting and saying, okay, 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 okay. We'll do it this time. I'll let you go this time. And then a little time goes on. Light, watch, life goes back to normal. The sting of sin goes away. And he goes back to his old self. How many have ever lived that pattern in your life? Come before God with forgiveness and you understood it was wrong. You understood your sin. And uh, you understood uh, everything about it. And the, the grief and, the, and the, the, the sorrow that comes with it. And then, then the, just the normalcy of life comes back. And before you know it, wow, you're right back there again. Over and over and over and over and over this is where Pharaoh was. Caused him to harden his heart. Harden his heart in further unbelief and further rebellion. And, and eventually, as he continues to refuse, he offered compromise after compromise after compromise. Now, has anybody ever remember that game show, Let's Make a Deal? I don't remember ever watching that. I don't know if I ever cared about that one or not. I don't know. I know it was on. I know it was around. And... Uh, but you know, you know the gist of let's make a deal, right? They're given the opportunity to, to trade something they have for hopefully whatever is behind the curtain, right? For something that might be better behind the curtain. And here's the deal. So here, here let's make a deal. You, you can keep what you have and go home and enjoy that. Or, they didn't say this, greed could take over and you can hope for something better, right? And so, so what would they do? They'd say, okay, I want to choose behind the, that curtain. And I'm, oh, wow, you get a hot dog. Okay, give me that gold bar. Okay, give me the gold bar. Here's your hot dog. Now you can go home, right? It's like, right? Let's make a deal. This is, this is essentially what Pharaoh was doing over and over. Hey, let's make a deal. Let's make, if you do this, okay, I know you want to do this, but let's go ahead and do this. And Satan tempts us to do the same thing, doesn't he? Making a deal, right? The commands and the promises of God, they're spelled out for us in the Word of God. Jesus said, here's a way, walk ye in it. We have, we have detail of how we live our life not to be saved, but how we live our life as a child of God, a born-again child of God. And uh, we, we believe them, we, we, we follow them, we seek to please God. Let, let, let me ask you this. Where did it ever go? Who snatched it away from us? Who took away 
just the desire to have a heart to just please Jesus. Just to wake up every day and want to please Him. Right? Don't you like to please people? Some don't. <laughs> Jim does. No, many in here, you, you like to please. There are people in your life, watch, there are people in your life that you love and that love you and you desire to please them. Right? Boy, that's gone, isn't it? It's, it's almost gone down to a, a checklist of things of do's and don'ts. And, and then, and then if, you do, if you do want to follow the Word of God, you're called a legalist. You're like, no, maybe I just want to please the Lord. Maybe I just want to please the God who saved my wretched soul and rescued me, right? Maybe I just want to please Him. All right? Nothing wrong with that. Don't let somebody ruin that for you, please. Don't let them ruin that. Yeah. He says, here, here it is. Here's the way. Here's the way. Walk in and you know what Satan does? He comes along and says, hey, let's make a deal. <laughs> if you don't get so fanatical about Jesus, you'll enjoy life better. You'll have more friends. Yeah, you won't be such an outcast. No, he does it constantly, doesn't he? And, and, and we get lured into, into trading the promises of God and the blessings of God for Satan's deception. We get lured into it all the time. Yeah. I just want to please God. Oh, that's so legalistic. Yeah, that's legalism. Can I, let, let, I know we know this in this room. Let me define this. Legalism is anything you do to obtain salvation. In a legality that you, that you believe gets you eternal life with God. That's legalism. Living a wholly separated life is not legalism as a child of God. I get tired of that. And it is just, it is a, it is a, it is twisted, a twisted lie. And uh, it is not true. Right? Satan's deals are bad, aren't they? They're always a bad deal. And there are compromises that Satan was giving all along the way here to, uh, to uh, the children of Israel. Remember one of the first ones, Pharaoh, was, well, hey, tell you what, you can sacrifice. Well, just go ahead and sacrifice here in Egypt, right? God says those who worship him must worship it in spirit and truth. We don't worship God in flesh. We don't worship, the, God can't be worshiped in, 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 the, in, in, in the, how do I say, uh, in Egypt, in the world, yes, we're in the world and we worship, but we worship in spirit and in truth. We don't worship in the flesh. Pharaoh said, oh, just sacrifice in Egypt. Just worship right here in Egypt. Moses said, no, we can't do that. We've got to go three days journey and we've got to bring everybody with us. And so Pharaoh comes along and goes, okay, okay, okay. You can go out, right? But leave, leave your kids behind. Right? Leave your kids behind. It's, it's a religion for old people. When I get older, I'll come to Jesus. When I become, live my life and get everything out of the way and have all of my fun and sow all of my wild oats, you know, then I'll, then I'll come to God. If you're alive, you will. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For who knows what may be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth the way. Are you listening to me? You could be dead tomorrow. Amen. I hope you're listening. He says, oh, I'll leave your kids behind. He said, no, no. We've got to go three days journey. We've got to bring all of our children with us. We've got to bring all of our things with us. Pharaoh comes back, okay, fine, 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 fine. Bring your kids, go out. Go ahead and leave your animals. Remember last week? No, every hoof. It's all coming. It's all coming. You have all of me. Does God have all of us? Moses said, he said, we're taking all of it with us. 
all of it with us to sacrifice. And these are compromises that we give today, that we get today from Satan. Don't give God everything. Don't, don't, don't be so worried about the kids. Don't be so worried about, about how you worship and whether, you know, you know, if you're going to worship God, you know, using rock and roll, that's beautiful. You know, God, God doesn't care. He just wants your heart. God, you know, God looks on the outward. Man looks on the heart. Uh, don't you love when people mess up context, right? When Samuel was going to find David and uh, went through all of the sons of Jesse and he was looking at their height, right? And when God said, man, man looked on the outward, but God looks on the heart, right? He wasn't, he wasn't talking about living a holy life. He was talking about, he was looking at the stature of, of Jesse's sons and trying to figure out which one would be the best king. And here came little old David and God said, no, that's the one I've chosen. Yeah, that's who I got. Amen. Compromise. Compromise. Yeah. Do you realize the, the Egyptians were polytheistic? Many gods. You wonder why ten plagues. You wonder why, not, you know, ten plagues. Well, I mean, how many gods could they have attributed what happened to one of their gods? Right? Remember the magicians came and kind of did some of the same things? I don't think they did the lice. They had a problem with the lice. And some of the others, as they went on, they, yeah, they, were, they were like, okay, we're out. We're done. <laughs> this is creeping me out. Right? Now the hail's coming. We're going to prepare. <laughs> Do what you want, Pharaoh. Yeah. All of these, listen, God, you know, God gave plague after plague after plague after plague to the point where the Egyptians say, okay, our gods aren't doing this. This is the God of the Israelites. This is, when it came to the 10th plague, they knew absolutely. This was the God. This is Jehovah God. This absolutely is. The 10 plagues, first plague was the Nile River was turned into blood. Let me list these for you. Second plague, frogs. This was one when he said, you, you know, uh, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow. Remember that old song, one more, one more Night with the Stinking Frogs. One More Night in Sin. Yeah, that's a, It's an old song. It's a great song. It's a great song. And uh, it's, it's the idiocy of what we do with our sin, right? When God says, that needs to go, and we go, well, just one more night. Wait a minute. It, it's ruining your life, right? It's a nasty, stinking night. Na- Could you imagine a house full of frogs and God saying, if you would stop this, I'll get rid of the frogs. And you're like, yeah. Tomorrow, your floor is knee deep and uh, waist deep in frogs. Can you imagine? That's what we do. Third plague was lice. Fourth plague, flies. Fifth plague, the, the, the disease, the moraine, the cattle, the disease of their cattle. Sixth plague was boils. Ugh. Seventh plague was hail mixed with fire. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine having the hair off your head burnt before it got hit with hail? That, there's nothing protecting anything. Some of you are saying there's nothing anyways. <laughs> the eighth plague was locust. The tenth plague, the ninth plague was darkness. Darkness. Has anybody ever been up in the northern part of the Alaska during the time of, uh, during the, time of the, um, the uh, six months of darkness? Anybody ever been up around that time? Up in those northern... And, uh, of course, uh, it doesn't get like nighttime dark. The sun kind of hits the horizon, goes blowing. It just kind of stays there like this, you know, because we're a flat earth. But, uh, anyway, that was, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It'd be weird. Do you know, the, do you know the, the, the donkeys that were used in the mining, like in uh, West Virginia and those things? 
You know, on the weekends, they'd say on the weekends, you'd see all the donkeys all on the hillsides. They'd leave them out on the weekends and bring them back into the mines during the week. They say if they left those donkeys in there during the weekends and just left them down there, eventually they'd go blind because there's just no light down there. We don't like, listen, we don't like darkness. I went for a walk last night, right? And where I live, you know, there's coyotes and mountain lions and bears and uh, bobcats and my dog. And my dog's a chicken and he won't even, yeah, I mean, I'd like, come on, let's go. It was dark. It was 8.30 at night. I thought, oh, let's go for a walk in the, out in the woods. And he's like looking around like he's like staying right here. I'm like, oh, you're worthless, right? <laughs> he was nervous. Maybe I should have been. He's probably hearing all sorts of things and smelling things I couldn't, you know. And he's like, you really shouldn't be out here. And uh, no, but it's it's not that it's it's not that comfort. You don't relax, right. right? When you're just walking out through, it's not that relaxing. Can you imagine when this darkness came over? This, I mean, it's just like, ooh, right? I don't even like a rainy, cold, rainy, dark day. Ugh, it's gross, depressing. It's not of God. It was all because of the flood and sin and everything else. And I think God was, God is light, sunlight. Amen. I like that. So today here we are at the tenth, we're at the tenth plague. I don't know if we're even going to get to it. My goodness, got a few minutes here. Tenth plague. They've been in Egypt four hundred and thirty years. Four hundred thirty years. Generations have known nothing else but living in Egypt. It would be like if your family came here in sixteen twenty, right? Sixteen twenty. We're right at four hundred years. Is that right? 403 years from 1620. You can trace your family back to the Mayflower, maybe the good ship Elizabeth, right? That came right after the Mayflower. Maybe you could go back to Jamestown, Virginia and say, you know, 1607, whatever, and here we are. Listen, you would have known nothing else, generation after generation, but living in this country. That's Israel in Egypt. They know nothing else. Nothing else. Except maybe like we do when some of you say, oh, yeah, well, my family is in, you know, Latvia. Well, my family's from uh, Switzerland. My family's from Norway. My family's from wherever. And you could think about what it might be like, you know, uh, that's where the family originated from across the pond, right? But you would have no, you know, there might be some longing to go visit someday when you, especially if you knew, you know, we got relatives there, still there. And, you know, my mother had some relative, Nellie was her name in Sweden that she would still she would still uh, talk to and stuff like that. I don't think she ever met her. But, uh, so you can understand that, right? But here's Israel. They, that's all they know. But they know, they know. They know they've been promised a land. They know that. And uh, it's been 430 years, and now it's time to leave. I want to show you this, the Feast of the Passover, this last plague. Not only do we see God's provision for salvation for the Israelites, but we see the provision of salvation for us. It's for us. The tenth plague, through this tenth plague, here God establishes that a, a, He established a holy day for Israel. He established this holy day that is known as the Feast of the Passover. It was going to be an annual memorial of God's miraculous deliverance. Every time they, they, they uh, celebrated the Passover, which was, I guess it was this week, yeah. Every time they celebrated the Passover, they would hearken back to that night in Egypt 
When all of the firstborn were killed, except for those that had the blood over the door, the death angel passed over, and then they were ushered out of that bondage of Egypt into liberty and freedom. The Passover is to us a picture of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And we're going to look at that here. It's a perfect provision. Amen. God tells Moses in the coming of this plague of death upon the firstborn of Egypt, he makes a provision of salvation to avoid the plague of death. Each family, watch, they're going to have to follow precisely what God requires them to do. See verses 3 through 6 in chapter 12. Look at verse 3. Speaking unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So the evening of the fourth day, the lamb is to be killed. So God's instructions were, were, were specific. Pretty detailed, weren't they? There, there's no, no getting around this. And watch this, they couldn't just keep it any way they chose. They couldn't, this wasn't like, you know, people said the Ten Commandments are not the Ten, ten Suggestions, right? They're the commandments. Well, here we have here uh, the, the Passover. Um, th- this, this, is, this is not uh, the suggestion of God. Of if you get close to this, oh, you don't have a lamb? Okay, well, well um, uh, you've got a, you know, I don't know. You, you've got a, name it, what's that desert animal, right? You've got a coney, that'll work. You got a snake? Yeah, that'll work. Oh, that'd be bad. That's a bad picture, right? Yeah. No, it was very specific. It was very specific what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to follow God's plan. We see this problem from the very beginning, don't we, with Cain and Abel? God had established a blood sacrifice with Adam and Eve when he dressed them. Can I remind you something? God dressed Adam and Eve. They, when they attempted to dress themselves, what did they do? Well, number one, they didn't have enough. <laughs> Isn't that where we are today? Yeah, you get far enough away from God, you watch. The clothes get less and less and less and less. And uh, here they are uh, with just some fig leaves. They're so ignorant about what to do here. God comes and he kills. The first time an animal is killed, blood is shed to clothe to clothe Adam and Eve. What an illustration of our clothing of our, in our righteousness of Christ. Blood was shed, the spotless lamb. So we could be clothed in his righteousness. And so here it is. God established. He showed how it was to be done. Obviously, Adam and Eve trained their boys. And you know what? What's the guy's name? Abel shows up with sheep and blood with a blood sacrifice. God says, that's good. And Cain shows up with fruit and vegetables. And he said, no. Can I tell you, Cain may have worked his fingers to the bone. He may have put a lot of labor into this. He may have thought, well, I, you know, went to a lot of work, but here's the problem. It still wasn't what God wanted. God, listen, God required blood. There is a purpose for this that we're going to see. And it was going to be the blood, the blood of a lamb. Not just any blood, but the blood of a spotless lamb. We're going to stop there today. We've got to stop. 
What a picture we've come to this day. And uh, here as we celebrate the resurrection of that spotless lamb. And what a place we are here. Aren't you happy for the plan of God? And it, isn't it a marvel when you look and you think, no man could have come up with this plan. You know what man does? We just say, no, we're fine. God should be happy with us the way we are. <laughs> right? And uh, God says, no, you silly little thing. Here's what we're going to do. Like Abraham said when he brought up Isaac and Isaac was in the, in the mountain, he said, Father, here's the fire, here's the wood, where's the lamb? And he said, God will provide himself a lamb. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Some 2,000 years later on the same mountains of Moriah, that God brought up his own lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and sacrificed him there. Listen, we couldn't have come up with that plan. Watch this. We couldn't have made it work like it has. There is no way. There is no way. Why did he do that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what God has done to bring you back into a right, right relationship with himself. Don't ever forget there is nothing you could have done, you could have done to appease a holy, righteous God. God, it was God's plan, and God's plan of, of, of redemption and freedom from bondage. You know what, because of this, right? Jesus says, because I live, ye shall live also. My sheep know my voice. He goes on to say, I give unto them everlasting life, eternal life. Jesus said, where I am, there, you may, there, there shall you be also. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Have you been released? Have you been free from the bondage of sin? Are you born again? Has the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ been applied to your account? May God help us to uh, rejoice in this. Those of us who are born again, may we rejoice in this. And if you're not saved here today, 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 you may not be here tomorrow, today, you need to come to Christ. Father, thank you for your word today and this little time we've had here. And thank you for the perfect provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb. Thank you all the way back, beginning here when you brought your children of Israel out of that land, that Passover night. How, what a beautiful illustration and a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the plan. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you, that you that you volunteered to come before the foundation of the world. You said yes. We thank you for that. We, uh, Father, we ask you to do a great work here today and uh, that you'd be glorified, that Jesus Christ would be exalted, that souls would be saved. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you in a few minutes.